Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 30 this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I'll give you just a moment to get there. And once you've arrived, I want to ask you to stand out of reverence for God's word. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. And we're just going to be reading through verse 30. You don't realize how many kids we have until we dismiss them and like half the population walks out. In like 10 years, this church is going to be hopping. Um, Matthew chapter 11, beginning of verse 28. Let me read through verse 30. Hear, hear what the word of the Lord has to say. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This morning, I want us to, to answer the question, where do we find rest? Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the praises that have already taken place, the praises that will continue to take place. God, we thank you that you are here working in our midst. God, I pray that you'll give me physical and spiritual strength to preach your word to your people, for we are ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as you know, we're in this short mini-series, three weeks. We started last week. We'll end it next week. This this short series on Sabbath rest. If you weren't here last week, it was announced that uh, was, we've been working on this for some time, but the elders have been gracious. And so I'll be taking a sabbatical for two months. So October and November, I will be out and you have three other more than capable pastors who will be shepherding you during that season. And so as I was preparing my heart, I also wanted to encourage you and prepare your heart uh, and consider this idea of Sabbath. And we said that we were going to answer over these three weeks, three questions. So last week we looked at the question, why do we need rest? And this week I want to I want to go to that next question that I think we need to answer. Where do we find rest? We'll conclude next week with the question, how do we enter rest? So where do we find rest? You know, there's a reality in in my home uh, that's often the cause of great frustration in the moment, uh, but when we look back, it always seems to provide a good, a good laugh. I, uh, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, uh, being vulnerable. I have the propensity to put things in the most obscure places in my home and then fail to be able to find them because I don't know where I put them. For example, uh, there was a time early on in, in Monalia's marriage where uh, it, it was the first place that we ever rented where we lost our coffee, big old can of coffee, big old tin. We didn't have a Keurig. We weren't fancy then. We looked everywhere to try to find this big tin of coffee and we couldn't find it. We opened all the cabinets. We checked the closets. We made sure the container didn't somehow fall and roll under the table or under a sofa. We were checking rooms that there was no reason for coffee to be in those rooms. And no matter how much we searched, we could not find this coffee. It was a mystery, but I needed an answer. So after all the searching, all that I was left with was somebody stole our coffee. (laughs) Somebody came into our house and they stole our coffee. That was it. They didn't need anything else. Well, then you have to ask the question, well, who would do such a thing? And I knew, like any good big brother knew, it was probably my younger brother. 
You see, at the time, again, young Michael, not the wisest, uh, I would leave my keys in my truck in the driveway. Uh, and my younger brother knew this. It had my house keys on it. It had my truck key on it. And so there were times where he would just come get the keys out of my truck and go into the house. He was the only one other than my wife who told me it was a stupid idea over and over. And I, I don't do it anymore. I don't leave my keys in the car. Uh, he was the only one who knew. So I knew it had to be him. And I told Aaliyah, my brother stole our coffee. And Aaliyah, being the sane adult that she is in our marriage, said, why in the world would he steal our coffee? I told her, I don't know, but I was convinced that he stole our coffee. So now I'm heading to the coffee shop because we still need coffee and, and somebody's got to get it. So in the morning, going to the coffee shop while I'm, uh, while I'm going there, I call my brother and I say, very funny, Matthew, uh, where's, where's my coffee? And as you can imagine, he was quite confused he had no idea what I was talking about, but I was still convinced it was just your typical younger brother not knowing when a prank had gone on long enough. So I got to the coffee shop, got the coffee, and was returning to our house. Now, I'll be honest, in all the distraction of the morning, the missing coffee, coffee the denying brother, the need for coffee, I had forgotten to put creamer in Aaliyah's coffee because she drinks it like that. As amazing as she is, she has her faults too. So I get back to the house. And her being the amazing wife that she is, upon realizing there's no creamer in the coffee, says, it's not a problem. We've got some milk in the fridge. And she's in the kitchen. I'm in the other room. It's a true story. I hear her say, Michael, could you come here for a moment? And so I walk into the kitchen, and she's calmly pointing to the fridge door where the milk is. And my immediate thought is, oh, he got the milk, too. Like, that, that's, where, that's where I went. He stole the coffee and the milk. No, the milk was still there, and right next to it was the big tub of coffee that we were missing. Had no business being in the fridge. Apparently, the night before, someone had placed the coffee in the wrong spot. Exactly. And me, being the good older brother that I am, never called to apologize to my younger brother. But we found the coffee. Though that is a silly and somewhat unfortunately true story. I mean, it's true, unfortunately. I tell that story in order to say this. It's really difficult to find something if you don't know where to look for it. It's hard to locate something if you don't know where to go. And so last week, as we began this mini-series on this idea of Sabbath, we answered the question, why do we need rest? And having worked through that, all right, so we've established we need rest. We want rest. The next question, the right question is, well, where do we find that rest? Because again, it's hard to find something if you don't know where to look for it. And I'm going to give you the answer right here at the start. Where do we find our rest? We find our rest in Jesus. All right, that's it. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is where we find it. I gave you all an out, but there weren't enough amens, so I'm going to press in a little bit more. I tried. I tried. Last week, y'all told me to preach shorter. I tried. In our text this morning in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus beckons us to come and to find rest for our souls. And so I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about these three verses of Scripture, the beauty of finding rest in Jesus, because there are, there are three very significant things we see in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. 
And I wanna, I wanna press in a little bit here this morning. So here's, here's the first thing that, that, as we consider this idea of where do we find rest, well, we find it with Jesus. The first thing that I want you to grab hold of is this truth, that Jesus invites us into rest. Jesus invites us in to rest. We see it there in verse 28. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But I want to be very clear about this. Jesus invites, invites us into rest by inviting us into himself. Notice what he does not say. He does not say, come to rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. See, see that's the thing. Some of, us, some of us right now might genuinely be wanting rest. Right? Last Sunday might, might not have been eye-opening for you at all. Maybe we worked through that sermon of why do we need rest, and you said, yes and amen, I've known that, I have been pursuing that. It wasn't eye-opening for you at all, and you've been trying to rest, and yet you've not been able to stop enough. You've, you've not been able to cut enough stuff out of your life. You've not been able to free up enough space, and your soul still feels tired. Can we just be honest? Is there anybody whose soul is just tired this morning? I want to remind you that that Sabbath rest, a rest that is meant to be a balm for our weary souls, is not primarily found in a lack of activity. It's found in a person. This is not a rest that you can vacation yourself into. This is not a rest that you can sleep your way into. This is not a rest that comes because you have shut yourself away for weeks on end. And let's be honest, that's what some of us default to, right? When we're tired, it's like, let's just shut everything down. Let's go on vacation. Let's lock ourselves in our room. Let's, let's not interact with anybody. Some of, us, some of us right now are believing, if I could just take a break from ministry, then my soul would be at rest. If I, if I could just stop serving people for a little bit, if people would stop calling me with all of their problems, then my soul would be at rest. Some of us think that we can declutter our calendar and our lives enough and our souls will find rest. And I want to be clear, none of those things are necessarily bad things. Sometimes you need a vacation. Sometimes you need to stop answering the phone call. Sometimes you need to clear some things from your calendar. But the rest that we need, the rest that Jesus invites us into, isn't found primarily by stopping activities. It's by actively seeking a person. Jesus is the source of our rest. And he's the source of our rest, no matter what you're going through. See, I don't, I don't want you to miss this. We see this there in the middle of verse 28. Notice he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. All of you who are weary and burdened. Now, this is, this is important because with this statement, Jesus is inviting anyone who is weary or burdened to come to, find, to him and find Rest. It's interesting when you consider the context of Matthew chapter 11. What is he, does he mean something specific when he talks about being weary and burdened? Does he have something on his mind? Well, the, the context is actually really interesting because on one side of this statement, before Jesus makes this statement, it's his interaction with John the Baptist, when John the Baptist doubts. Do you remember that? So Jesus has been doing ministry for men. I mean, remember who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. He's the one who said that he was unworthy to even untie or tie. I can't remember which one. Either way, his, his sandals, right? He's not worthy of this Jesus. 
And so Jesus had been doing ministry for a while. John had been doing ministry for a while. And John gets arrested. And John gets thrown into prison. And John's life isn't turning out and he thought it would turn out. Things aren't working out. He didn't get the job promotion. He didn't get the recognition. He didn't get his name plastered throughout Jerusalem and have the speaking engagements and the conference toys. No, he ends up in prison and John begins to question. John begins to doubt. And so John sends his disciples and he asks Jesus this very meaningful question. He says, are you the Messiah? Or should we be expecting someone else? Man, I appreciate John's honesty. How does a man who's seen so much, who has witnessed Jesus be Jesus and be the son of God, how does he go to this place of saying, are you really the one? Well, see, John probably had some expectations of Jesus that didn't come to fruition. I think that's why some of us can struggle, right? We had some expectations of how Jesus would act in our lives, and he's not acting the way we thought that he should act. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't condemn John. He doesn't stand in front of the multitudes and say, see, this is the problem. Y'all ask too many questions. Y'all are doubting too much. You're not taking me at my word. No, what does he do? Never has there been a man of such faith. John is burdened. He's weary. He's worn out. And after this interaction with John, after this interaction with John's disciples, and after this interaction with all the people who are watching, Jesus says, come to me and find rest. Do you know why that's such an encouragement? It's because Jesus is saying, hey, if you have doubts, if you have questions that there don't seem to be any answers to, come to me anyway. Bring your doubts, bring your questions, and rest. Let me just just press in a little here because I know this can be a struggle for us at times. Rest does not necessarily come because Jesus removes all of our doubts and questions. Rest doesn't necessarily come because Jesus removes all of our doubts. Of course, did you know that in the Bible, Jesus is asked nearly 200 questions? Do you know how many of those questions he directly answers? Three. Do you know that Jesus responds to those questions with nearly 300 more questions? Jesus answers a question with a question. And the three that he answered were pretty significant. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am. He answers that one. He answers some of those. But but people come with questions, with doubts, with concerns. and, And most of the time, Jesus responds with another question. But that's the problem, Jesus. We have questions. I don't need another question. And it wasn't because Jesus didn't know the answer. It wasn't because he didn't have the answers. Maybe it's because Jesus knows something that we don't. That often it is the questions and the doubts that can push us into a deeper dependence on God. Maybe it's the questions and the doubts that force us to pursue rest. And just maybe the problem isn't that we have questions and doubts. 
Maybe the problem is that we don't know how to rest when we do. I heard a sermon this week. It was on the topic of doubt from a different text of scripture, and it was so good for my soul. I sent one this quote I'm about to share to a couple of you because this statement, I just needed to hear it. It, it resonated. And one of the statements they made was this. Doubt is not always weakness. Sometimes it's evidence of faith holding on. Doubt is not always weakness. Sometimes it's evidence of faith holding on because you still have questions. You still have doubts and you haven't walked away. It's faith holding on. So on on one side of the statement by Jesus, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. On one side, you have the doubt of John. But then on the other side of this statement, what, what follows immediately after this in chapter 12 is that Jesus and his disciples go and pick grain to eat, and it's the Sabbath, and the Pharisees aren't having it. And so they challenge Jesus. They say, see, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. They're working. And the Bible says don't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus responds to them and reminds them that the goal is not religious rules. It's it's not about doing all the right stuff. It's about knowing who the Savior is. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, 28, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So, so on one side of the statement, you have doubt. You have a man who, who is beaten down and tired and weary, and he has questions and he has doubts. And Jesus says, come to me and find rest. And on the other side, you have those ones that feel like they have to perform their way into God's favor, that they've got to do everything right. They've got to say everything right. They have to look exactly right or else God won't love them. And Jesus looks at them and says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. On the one hand, the soul that is weary. And on the other, a life that is burdened with an inability to perform in such a way as to earn God's favor. And Jesus says to both and everything in between. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. It's almost as if Jesus is saying... It doesn't matter what's burdening you. It doesn't matter the load that you are carrying. It doesn't matter what's causing your heart to be broken. Come to me and find rest. Can we we just be honest for a minute about the fact that there's so much burden and stress in our life because there are so many things that we feel like we got to get together before we can go to Jesus and find rest. I mean, it can't be just me. That we feel like we got to clean it up. Right? I've, I've, been in, I've been in both positions. I've been in the position where it's like, well, this is too small of a thing to bring to Jesus. Right? Like, I, I got to figure this out. Like, he's too busy with real significant things for me to bring this and lay it at his feet. And I've been on the other side of the spectrum. There have been times where I'm like, hey, if I'm honest, this is too big for God. This needs me. I've got to be the one who figures this out because getting this wrong, the results will be catastrophic. 
So, so, so I'm going to rely on me. Can I just remind you this morning that the God that cares about the amount of hairs on your head is the same God that will split the sea for his people to walk through. He is not only concerned about the little things. He's concerned about the big things. He's not only concerned about the big things. He's concerned about the little things. God cares about what is of the smallest consequence and of the greatest consequence. And he says in all of those situations, if you are burdened and heavy laden, come to me and find rest because I care if your hair falls out. And I care about delivering people from slavery. I care about it all. And here in verse 28, Jesus is beckoning us to come, to come as we are, to find rest or to find him. And as a result, find rest. I I know we need to move on, but can we just we just pause for a minute and consider how amazing this is. That the savior of the universe, the one who flung the stars into the sky, the one who speaks and mountains topple, that the God that we rebelled against invites us to come to him and to find rest for our weary souls. We serve an amazing God. But there's even more. See, not only does he invite us into him and thus into rest, One of the things we learn in these three verses is is the fact that Jesus is honest about the rest. And I need for you to see this. Jesus is honest about the rest. Look again, verses 29 through 30. He says, take take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I want you to see is that the rest in Jesus is not a rest that frees you from all constraints and all expectations. The rest in Jesus is not a rest that says now you get to do whatever you want. Notice this, while Jesus removes the burden and the yoke of slavery from the law, while he removes the yoke of self-reliance, he doesn't leave you yokeless. He still says now you have to take my yoke. You have to put that on. And it is still a controlling yoke. It is still a yoke that dictates what you do and where you go. But it's a better yoke. Jesus is saying, if you accept my invitation and you come to me while I will give you rest, the expectation is, but you will be my disciple. Here's what I'm trying to get at. The rest that comes from Jesus is not a rest that's separate from discipleship. It's actually a part of it. I'll say it another way. You can't get the rest without being willing to follow him with the work. Jesus is not just the Lord of the Sabbath. He's also Lord of your life. He's not going to spend, or I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because this will, this will literally be the topic that we will press into next week. But, but let me just say this. Jesus is honest about the fact that following him, though there is real rest for your soul, it's also difficult at times. Like we have to acknowledge that this morning. Like we just have to acknowledge the fact that following Jesus is not easy. There is still a yoke involved. You know it as well as I do. There are some burdens and some pains and some heartache that only come because you've decided to follow Jesus. 
that if you were not following Jesus, you would not experience at all. But here's what I need you to understand. Jesus does not promise that his rest will be the removal of everything that weighs you down. But his rest is a rest that reminds you that in the midst of all that, he's got you. And he can carry those burdens for you. Like this, this has actually been a hard lesson for me to learn. I'll let you into a little bit of kind of what the spirit's been working on in my soul. And there's some guys in, in our community group who could testify to this because I've said it to them before. One thing I have struggled with, and if I'm honest, I can continue to struggle with at times, is this idea of casting my cares on Jesus. And I have said to them, some, some, of, some of the other pastors can attest to this too. I've said to them, for, here's, my, here's my problem. I want to cast my cares on Jesus. I just don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know how to do that because I feel like I'm casting my cares on Jesus and my cares are still there. My problems haven't gone away. My burdens are still in front of me. I think part of the reason I've struggled with that is because I've really misunderstood it. You know, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says to cast your cares on him. Cast your cares on God. Cast them on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. So the way I've always thought about this was if I cast my cares on Jesus the right way, all my cares will go away. And if I'm honest, I have been so frustrated with God at times. Because after I've laid my burdens at Jesus' feet, many of the problems were still there. And so in my mind, I'm saying, well, then what's the point? But it took me a while to understand, and I'm still learning it, that when Jesus invites us to cast our cares on him, it's not a formula to get rid of all of our cares and struggles and concerns. Rather, it's a way that we declare we believe that Jesus is big enough to carry them for us. So I don't have to. And him carrying them doesn't mean they'll go away. But it does mean the weight is not solely on my shoulders. And listen, one of the chief ways we can cast our cares on Jesus is through Sabbath rest. By saying, I've got a load of stuff. It's weighing me down. Work is stressful. My family's stressful. I got these things I got to get done. I got this person I promised three weeks ago I would do this thing for. I'm yet to show up and do that. I've got all this stuff going on and you are burdened and heavy laden. And Sabbath rest is a declaration. Nevertheless, I'm going to rest in Jesus and trust that I can lay these burdens before him. And he will carry them so that I can rest in him. I mean, consider what David says in Psalm 34, verse 19. David says that the one who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues them, rescues him from them all. And if that's true, if we follow Jesus, if we take the yoke on ourselves and we face adversity and hardship and adversaries, but the Lord will rescue us from them all, then we can declare like David does at the beginning of that psalm and say, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips because he will rescue us. And so we can praise while he delivers. And in the midst of burdens and concerns, when there are things to figure out and situations that need resolution to say with our lives, despite everything going on, I'm going to rest because I believe that God has got this. 
But resting, again, resting in Jesus does not eliminate all your burdens and expectations. And Jesus is honest about that. But he wants you to know that resting in him is a better way to deal with them. That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's still a yoke. It's still a burden. But it's lighter. It's lighter than the demands of this world. It's lighter than trying to work your way into God's favor. It's, it's lighter than trying to figure out all the questions and all the doubts all by yourself. It's better. You might be thinking, man, I want this rest, but this seems like a lot to try to, try to figure out. Well, here's the last truth that I want you to see. Jesus is our guide to rest. Jesus is our guide to rest. Look, look again at the beginning of verse 29. Just three words. He says, take up my yoke, and here it is, learn from me. Learn from me. You know, the picture of a yoke is a very interesting picture. I realize that I probably should have explained this earlier because I'm assuming that everybody knows what a yoke is, and not everybody might know what a yoke is. Uh, this isn't an egg yolk. That's not what we're talking about. I, I, said, I said yolk to my daughter this morning. She's like, oh, like, a, like a, an egg. And I was like, well, that is yolk, but that's not the yolk we're talking about. I should probably explain this. You know what a yolk is, right? So a yolk is, is a piece of wood. Basically has kind of two metal U's. And what they would do is they would take those and put it around the neck of an ox and then push it into the piece of wood. And they would put two ox side by side because it's better to have two than one. You can get more work done. And that yoke was the way you controlled them. It was the way that they, they did their work. It's the way that they were guided. That's, that's what a yoke is. That's the picture that Jesus is giving. But it's an interesting picture to use and then to tie it with this statement and learn from me. Because you see, common practice back then and still to this day is that you take an older ox, an experienced ox, an ox who's been there before, and you would pair it with an ox who's never really done it. So watch this. The experienced ox, the seasoned ox would bear the bulk of the load. They would do the hard work and serve as a teacher and a guide to the new ox. The picture is beautiful. It's Jesus saying, hey, be yoked to me. Let me bear the load. Let me do the hard work. Let me guide you and teach you. Let me show you what this looks like to rest. Because Jesus knows rest. Well, how does he know rest? You go all the way back to creation, to our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit who rested on the seventh day. Oh yeah, Jesus was there. Resting, delighting in, enjoying his creation. Maybe that's too far back. You could go to his life on earth, his ministry, when after his cousin, after John the Baptist was beheaded and lost his life, what does Jesus do? He pulls away for a time of rest and Sabbath with the Father. Or maybe when Jesus would rise early in the morning to get away from the disciples, to get away from the crowds in order to enjoy Sabbath rest with God. Or maybe the countless times after doing the work of ministry, the first thing that Jesus do rather than celebrating, rather than going out with the boys was to retreat away and to spend time resting in and depending on the father. And those are all good examples. But I think there's a better one because the author of Hebrews tells us this. 
That the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his power. Here it is. And after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is sitting down in a position of rest. Why? Because the work is already done. Jesus is able to rest because he has done the work that none of us could do. How does Jesus know how to rest? Because he conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the grain. And he is eternally in a position of ruling and resting. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. He died in our place, the death that we deserve to die, but he did not stay dead. Three days later, he walked out of the grave, again, having conquered death, conquered sin, conquered the law. Even Jesus himself, as he hung on that cross, declared, it is finished. The work is done. And so what qualifies Jesus to lead you to rest is he is the one who has secured it for you in the first place. This isn't a rest that comes from Netflix. This isn't a rest that comes from hanging out with friends or going to the beach. This is a rest that you enter into because Jesus, the son of God, has conquered sin, death and the grave and says, come to me. And that weary soul, that burdened soul that is labored down with condemnation and guilt and shame. I've covered all of that rest, rest. So where do we find rest? We find it in the one who has secured it for us on the cross and through the empty tomb. So let me, let me end with this. If you are here and you are not a Christian, I'm gonna say the same thing I said last week. I'll probably say it next week. Paraphrase that quote by St. Augustine, right? Like your soul was made to rest in God and it will be restless until you rest there. But can I tell you something else, Christian? Your soul was meant to rest in God and it will be restless until until you rest in him. And so if you are here and you are not a believer, there is a rest that that you are invited into because Jesus Christ has lived the life you should have lived, died the death you deserve to die and was raised from the dead. And he wants you, he invites you to come to him and find salvation in life and rest for your soul. But if you are here and you are a Christian, We've got to recognize that even as believers who have walked with Jesus for a minute, we can be tempted to look for rest in the wrong places. Like your friend group, as great as it is, cannot provide you with this rest. A weekend away, as great as that is, it cannot provide you with this rest. Netflix, right? Your books that you're reading, Whatever it might be, it cannot provide this. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but the rest that our souls need is a rest that is found in Jesus. And some of us just have to be honest about the fact that as Christians, we have looked for rest everywhere but in the arms of Jesus. And my encouragement to you is see if Jesus is lying to you. Come to him. Rest in him and see see if that burden doesn't start to lighten a little bit. See if that load isn't as heavy as it once was. See, taste and see if the Lord will deliver on his promise. Because here's the thing I've seen. The problem is usually not Jesus's promise. The problem is usually my unwillingness to claim it, to act like it was spoken to me. 
Jesus isn't saying, come to me and I might give you rest. Come to me and it could happen. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And at the end of the day, if we are going to enter a rest that causes our souls to be renewed, it is a rest that is only found in Jesus. But it is a better rest. It's a good rest. Take his yoke. It's easy and the burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are a God who invites us, who invites us into rest. God, that you, you, you know that every one of us, that we can find ourselves in seasons where we are, we are weary and we are heavy laden and we need rest. And, and you haven't made it a mystery. You haven't made it a secret, God, but you have said, come to me, come to me and find rest for your souls. God, I pray that that would be us, that we would be, even today, developing patterns and habits of Sabbath rest, where we stop work, we enjoy rest, we delight in the things that you have given us, and we contemplate you. Again, I said it last week, and I pray it again, Lord. I pray that we would be willing to disrupt the entire patterns of our lives in order to cultivate this rest, believing that you have called us to what is best. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.